I'd like to pray. Ete atoa manakatia mai mato etenewa eruna ete inua tapu o tomato ariki o ihu karaiti. Amen. Good morning, I'm Colin. We're going to read from a section of scripture together. And if you have a Bible or a smartphone or however it is you do this, Mark chapter 10. Um, we're going to read a bit of it out loud, and that'll be up on the screen, but I'm going to refer to a bunch of portions of Mark 10 without reading it out. So if you've got something like that and you can pull it up, um, I'd, uh, I'd recommend it. Um, grab your Bible. And if you haven't, then you'll just have to check it out later and see if what we were saying was, um, uh, what, was in line with Scripture or not your call. So let's start with something for us all to read together. If you'd join me. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. May God grant us more than understanding. May we live our lives in a way that lives this out. Okay, I'm going to tell you a story. Then I'm going to come back to this, and um, after the story, I'm going to visit this and an earlier portion of Mark 10, and then I'm going to draw a couple of connections, see if they connect with us. So the story, once upon a time, there was a farmer. He'd had grandkids and noticed how he thought it was getting harder and harder for them to have good old-fashioned fun. So the kind of fun he'd grown up with. So he decided to make a farmer version of a fun park. He strung cables from tree to tree, set up flying foxes between them. He built rope ladders, put a wagon wheel on its side so you could spin round it and, uh, until you felt sick, which apparently people enjoy doing. Um, he built a bit of a water slide. He dug out a swimming hole in the local creek. And on evenings, he thought, I'll attach a long pole to a trailer and get my tractor and pull the trailer and pull people on ropes with sacks over the long grass. It'll be great fun, he thought. So he got building. It was all pretty old school. The toilets were long dropped. The showers were heated by log fires. He'd just fell a tree and stick the log in the end and sort of keep feeding it in. Now, some of you are grinning because you know of a place like this. What's it called? Works oh, there's more than one. Awesome. Quinny's Bush is the one that I went to as a kid, and that is the inspiration for this story. But I need to be clear, the story is not Quinny's Bush, okay? Because I've made stuff up. This is a fictional story. Okay. So there's the farmer. He's building this kind of farmer version of a fun park. And uh, um, as you can imagine, just before he opened it for the public, um, a number of people came to the front gate. There were policemen and lawyers and health and safety officers. <laughs> he knew that was coming, didn't you? 
Well, and in this fictional story, he opens up his camp, and in they came, and they said, well, you can't have just anyone driving or riding that tractor. What if they fall off? I think you need a height rule or an age rule. So they made a height rule or an age rule. And that flying fox is great for adults, but what if someone lets go mid-ride? Maybe they need to be clipped to it. We need a rule for that. And what if people are drunk? And have you created wheelchair access for the flying fox? A long list of terms and conditions began to evolve. Lawyers had meetings about protecting the farmer from being sued. Health and safety officers posted big yellow signs all over the place that read a bit like, warning, don't have fun here. And at least one lawyer said to him, look, you can open this park, but you really shouldn't let any kids come in. How do you think the farmer felt? absolutely gutted. He felt terrible because he wanted his park to be for everyone. Now, it wasn't, it's easy to bag health and safety officers. They are as popular as people who work for the IRD. And if either of you, if anyone here works for either, um, thank you. They're things we need. Yep. And sorry for how mean we are to you. Um, we do need them. They've got a point. They're not wrong. And the lawyers haven't lost the plot. It's just that the heart of the farmer was to, like Jesus' heart, let the kids come in. Let's have a good time. That was the heart of the thing. And sometimes in the discussion of the details, that's what we lose. What's it here for? What's the heart of it? Anyone been part of that? I, I certainly have. And the farmer, in the end, cries out, let everyone come in. And in Mark chapter 10, there's something very similar to this going on. Okay. Which is why I think Jesus has this phrase, in the middle of Mark 10, let the little children come to me, do not hinder them. And then just to twist the knife for us, because all of us are secret inner lawyers. We're wanting to make up the rules of how it works. He says, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Now, in their culture, children were common there wasn't much birth control. So assuming that sex was popular, as it generally seems to be with humans, um, there were quite a lot of kids. And you tended not to get too invested in your kids because they might not make it to adulthood. Or quite a number of kids died, quite a high infant mortality rate. So for that reason, kids, we have a lovely idea of kids because if one of our kids dies, it's this huge tragedy for us, and it is. But in their world, it's a bit more like India where you might have a lot of kids. And you know, they're, they're your superannuation, they're your retirement. And, but actually, quite a number aren't going to make it. In their world, kids weren't so much valued. You couldn't afford to. You didn't know if they'd make it. Okay? So kids were seen as, as not really valued until they reached adult age. They didn't have any status or power. So we're not so much talking about a hallmark world, but actually a little bit of a harsher world. And one of the key things is they have no power. And do kids get to make the decisions? No, they don't. Adults make the decisions, kids just go along with it. So Jesus' comment is quite biting when you look at what happens earlier. In Mark, this happens at the end of a politically charged conversation. Now, we have our hot potato issues. Um, did anyone see, just before Waitangi Day, it was quite fun to watch, actually, um, some reporter got a, uh, a cute idea and went around approaching politicians and saying, so, um, Clause 3 of the treaty, what's that about then? And the politicians went, oh, stuff, I just got trapped. Yep, 
Um, and clause one, what's that about? And uh, um, I won't ask you if you can answer that question, but if you can't, I've got an easy thing that will help you get there. <laughs> they, they were out to trap and embarrass the politicians, and this is the way the people who come to Jesus come. They come with a hot potato, and their hot potato at the time is divorce. Okay, now, just sidebar here. If anyone here has experienced a divorce or a really harsh breakup, take a breath, relax, okay? Not going to get judgy on anyone. Not going to do that, okay? Um, back then in their day, this was a, divorce was a battlefield. There were two major Jewish schools of thought, um, Hillel and Shammai, and they were fighting about how divorce should be. Because this is what we do. We divide ourselves into parties, Democrat, Republican, Labour, National, Green. We, we, we do this kind of stuff, and they fight. And when you're having these kind of fight, what you tend to do is people ignore anybody who's ended up getting divorced. There's an awful lot of hurt in that journey. And they tend to have these intellectual discussions about how things should be. We do the same things when we um, talk about abortion. When we talk about sexuality. We tend to ignore that there's a huge amount of grief and suffering around, and the legal discussions seem to skip it. So here they come, the lawyers and the religious guys come to Jesus and say, so is it okay for a man to divorce his wife? Anyone spot sexism in there? And... If you're wondering how much of a hot potato this is, this discussion takes place when Jesus has gone across the River Jordan. And what, what do you remember happening in the River Jordan? That was where John the Baptist baptized people. And what happens to John the Baptist? Well, it turns out that uh, um, in the politics of the day, King Herod had quite fancied his brother's wife, who was called Herodias. And Herodias divorced Herod's brother so the two of them could get married. Okay, and that, in Luke chapter 3, 19, John the Baptist rebuked Herod for that marriage, and that is why he ends up being put to death. So, is this a hot potato? Oh, yes, indeed. I read uh, uh, of a bishop who was a bishop at the time at which um, Charles and Diana were getting divorced, and he said it was really common a journalist would just ring up and say, so what's your take on divorce then? And they just knew anything they said would be immediately applied to, um, to Charles and Diana. Okay. So this is kind of uh, throwing a hand grenade, setting out a minefield and saying, step on it, putting a man on the wire, and the chances are he'll fall off. Now, what I have found really helpful this week in looking at this is just looking at the way that Jesus deals with this because I think it's helpful for all of us. So I want to point out four things that happen that I think apply to us, and then I want to apply that to a couple of issues. Okay? Here we go. First thing they do is they say, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And Jesus says, oh, well, what did Moses command you? He asks, and then he listens. What's your take on this? You've been thinking about this for a while. Before you get me to outlay all my stuff, let's hear how you think it through. Because it's never about us. And I would say that on a number of issues, this has been the minus of a world in which TV, radio, and social media broadcast opinion wholesale. Is that we are, it's just too easy to start with what you think before you've listened to people on the ground. Well, they reply, Moses let us have a certificate of divorce. So I was going to say, I read this week a philosopher who said, what we've all got to learn to do is say, I may not agree with you, 
but I want to listen and understand. That's what we've got to learn to do. Okay. So they give a short pot shot. They say Moses allowed for a certificate of divorce, which he did. Um, divorce was um, regarded as relatively commonplace. It was for the Jews. The male could divorce the female, but not the other way around. There was a power dynamic there. But we'll get on to that in a bit. So the next thing that Jesus does after asking and listening is he, is he pivots. He goes from the issue of divorce and he starts talking about, well, actually, God's intent. So he actually says, look, it was because your hearts were hard that Moses gave you that rule. But at the beginning of creation, God made humans male and female. His goal was more than this. So he went from the issue to what's God's intent? What's the heart of the matter? Like the farmer... I want the kids to have fun. What's going on here? So don't think that you have to go with the agenda that someone else is sitting. What's the bigger picture? Jesus says, mate, this is about life and living. It doesn't make this a focus. And in this passage in Mark 10, the discussion then stops. Okay? And at a different location, it carries up when the disciples come to Jesus and they ask him more. And Jesus gets quite pointed. And I'm fascinated by the fact that he didn't do this earlier. Why didn't he make the statements he makes to the disciples? For everyone. And my suspicion, it, okay, I'm reading this into the text. My suspicion is that there are some things it's really difficult to deal with in a town hall size setting. And one reason why is, I'll, gain, I'll go back just to say, if you've lived through divorce, there can be a mountain of pain and hurt. And it is difficult to talk well about that. And difficult in a big setting. So I'm interested that then, relocated, um, the, uh, they ask him about divorce. And my guess is that Jesus has recognized the level of hurt and disclosure not everything is for everyone. See, I want to say that about social media. Not everything is for everyone. And I'm, I'm fascinated, this particular passage, I'm interested because that's what I see Jesus doing. There's things he, there's places he goes to with his disciples he doesn't go to with everyone. Now, I'm not saying keep secrets. Just actually that process of ask and listen is hard to do in big groups. Anyway, here's what he says. He says, anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. And that's a relatively well-known Jewish practice at the time. And then there's a little bit of a pivot. Because then he says, and if she divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. Okay, now we don't get this, but for them that's a what? And probably near having crossed over the Jordan, probably they're immediately thinking of Herodias. There's something quite nice going on here, something that I notice is there is a noticing and critique of power going on here. Because I would observe in our hot potato discussions, one of the things that as a culture we're only just starting to notice is who's in power, who is shaping the conversation, asking that question. And I actually think this last phrase, this comment is doing that, it's a twist on actually who's in power here and what are they doing he's bringing a critique of power into the mix, so I want to take this model ask and listen, go to the heart of the matter, recognise the hurt 
and disclosure, what has yet to be told, and then pay attention to power. And I want to apply it to two different issues. Okay? A little bit of a, you could think of it as a thought exercise. Um, two issues that I think are appropriate for us. And at the heart of these two issues, that's just, I think they are issues of who is welcome and what is the heart of the matter. That's the background question for them. The first one's related to something that's just passed, and it is the Treaty of Waitangi. Because we live in New Zealand, well, uh, if you're visiting, very welcome, hope you enjoy it here. Um, but if we were grown up in New Zealand, live here, every year we celebrate the Treaty of Waitangi. We live in a bicultural and multicultural country, and the background theme of this is who is welcome? Who is welcome to this land? That's what it's about. And the heart of the matter keeps getting played out. So let's just try this. If we were to do this, to listen, knowing it's not just about us. Well, actually, Linda and I last year made an effort to put some time into learning some te reo. We went on some uh, cross-cultural experience kind of things, went to Marais, I did some study around it. I found it tremendously, we both found it tremendously enriching. We really did, renewing actually. And it is my hope that as we listen, I genuinely, well, this is my hope, I hope and I think that God might be moving in the connection between Māori and Pākehā, at least in the church in a different way. Okay, I hope. I see different kind of conversations taking place. Maybe it's because I'm around in them. Um, so maybe they were always going on. But I hope and pray. For me, learning about the treaty, language differences, history has been gold. And the question, the heart of the matter is, well, who's welcome? Anyone make a suggestion? I'd like to suggest it would be everyone. Everyone to be loved, valued, and respected. Everyone is listened to. A place where everybody knows who they are, where they come from, and I would love them to know who they are going towards. The trouble is when you listen, uh, point three, you start to hear hurt. Um, because there actually is um, a lot of hurt. Um, some of the things about the treaty are stunning. It largely happened because of the support of missionaries, um, because they could see this flood of people coming to the country and knew there had to be something in place to protect. They were really on board. Um, but we haven't always uh, honoured what was agreed. Actually, we haven't. Um, and there is significant hurt out there. There are wonderful stories as well. Um, and second, last bit in this would be pay attention to power in the mix. Who's in power? Who's calling the shots? If we were using these things that Jesus does. Okay, now I recognize that slightly. For some of us, it's like, oh, please, can we not go there? Come on. And especially, actually, my generation, um, we weren't taught this at school. Okay, we're given a different version of history. Um, so I, I'd like to lighten the mood slightly. There's a, a lovely little video clip up here um, called uh, Living Next Door to Whitey, um, which I think tells our history in kind of a fun way. Um, if you, you probably won't catch all of it because some, uh, some of it's in today, which you may not get. Um, there is one rude word for which I'd apologize if you don't like the rude word. Um, and no, no raffles for first spotting it, okay? But just have a listen. I think it's kind of fun. Um, Let's have a go. 
Atmosphere light. Actually, I quite like. I like it. Whoop. Oh, Mary sidesteps. Can may I uh, um, uh, give a rave? I think that's great. So, practicals. What do we do if we were wanting to take those four things I talked about seriously? First of all, I want to say if you want to learn some Tadeo, there are resources around. What have I done?
hands of Tariq. Oh, that's great. <laughs> oh, autocorrect. We want to thank you. Rex, no pressure. Um, <laughs> Okay, if you were interested in Toreo rather than Torex, um, I would say that um, Rising Home does a really cheap evening class. It's really cheap and it's not too heavy. Um, I was quite keen to sign up to the Wananga this year run by Polytechnic. Um, there's quite a, it looks to me like quite a heavy workload and I couldn't think I could do it. What's that? A collection of some kind, yes. Okay. Um, I did want to say, look, I, I know you can't read the, 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 the link. On our web page is a link. These pictures in the background are from a lovely um, summary of Waitangi, Treaty of Waitangi, um, in kind of cartoon picture book story. There's a link to it on our web page. Everybody here, I'd love you to have a look at it. Okay, it's really short, it's a nice summary, it describes the issues we have with language, and I would recommend, listen, reading a little bit about this is helpful. So Keith Newman's book, The Treaty, Jay Rooker's written a book called Huia Come Home, which is fascinating. Even if you just want to think, how, how are they thinking? What's going on there? Um, if we go back to the summary, we talked about um, the first thing was about asking and listening. The second thing, what is the heart of the matter? And I think this has to do with who is welcome, who is honoured and respected. The third part, can anyone else remember the third part? Because I'm having hurt. Recognise the hurt. Okay, that changes. And not everything is to be broadcast to everyone. Relationships don't work that way. And then the fourth was to recognise power. Who has it and what are we doing with it? Okay, so that was one. The second one, a little less um, uh, emotively charged, is children. Now, this is actually quite appropriate for us as a church. Um, there was an old, the way that we used to deal with kids in church is we would have a Sunday school. We would take them and we'd put them off and we'd have quite a big program because we wanted to teach them the gospel and how the Bible and all this kind of stuff. And um, in those days, there wasn't the internet, there wasn't um, uh, constant TV, there wasn't all this flow of information um, so it was quite an appropriate thing, but things have changed. don't know if you've noticed it, but there's now a steady stream of information coming at everyone. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, but kids don't spend a lot of time sitting at home doing nout now. They're on their tablet. Um, often they're being shuttled from program to program to program to learn music and play sport and from this and that and the other. And parents here will be going, I'm tired. <laughs> um, that seems to be how it is. And uh, what I've noticed in church is that... Um, this is how people who are interested in kids can feel. They feel sometimes the way people who play a piano used to feel in church. I don't want to let anybody know I have this skill or interest. Why? Because if I raise a hand, everyone's going to, great, great, that's yours, and walk away. Okay? So I want to recognize there's a level of hurt there. So, let's... We've been doing a little bit of listening. Actually, you know, for a kid, I'm thinking about Sunday mornings, singing a bunch of songs um, and listening to a long message is not the most fun thing to do. Probably all of you feel that, uh, about the message, probably all of you feel that. <laughs> um, and in Christ, everyone matters. So that's why we sang This Little Light of Mine. And actually, we're wondering what kind of kids' songs could we introduce? What could we do to make it fun? I think 
where we have opportunities for multiple voices, it's really helpful. Sometimes you have a kid say something that no one else has thought of. Because they see the light world differently. Not wrongly, differently. And sometimes they, their world is neon bright and glorious. And as adults, we get jaded and miss it. That's why, um, anyone remember this? In the big story? Yep. The value of those kind of things is they work for everyone. Whether or not you can read, whether or not you can... God's intent, God's intent in this, he, God, Paul always talks about the body of Christ being made up of all these different members, noses, eyes, ears, and they're supposed to function together but actually have their own function. So I would like to think that as we gather together, we were recognizing that. And paying attention to power, actually, generally, kids don't make the call. We do. There's a decision here which is about who do we want to be? How do we value people at different stages than our own? Now, at this point in time, um, I think I've got some clipboards. Um, we don't currently have, I'm going to get on to some practicals. We get, um, um, so if we, Bob, if you're able to, oh, they're tied up, aren't they? If you can ha just hand them out the clipboard, that we're looking for people who would be willing to do a Sunday. A Sunday, a term, or... Um, but I'll talk a little bit more about that as we go. We... We do a number of things as a community. We run Move and Groove and Movie Nights and Who Let the Dads Out. We're, we're quite good at that connection. What we're not good at is building relationships. We do great programs. Um, Anita does a great job, and her team does a great job of building relationship. But it's hard to follow through. So one of the things for us would be when we have kids, as we have kids in here, really what holds people in church is, does someone care about me? Is someone interested in me? Um, there's a little bit of a challenge for all of us to go, well, just because they're not your age and stage, can you still not connect to them? Actually, I think that's the precious part. Like I say, I think a, young, a kid has something to offer that adults desperately need. In the same way that I think older people have something to offer to younger people and vice versa. God's intent seemed to be that there was an exchange. So, if you are happy to run a session or two, we expect we're going to have kids in church more than we have had. Because we currently don't have somebody running our Sunday, uh, uh, running our, our, our kid program out there. So it's going to happen, which means that um, there'll be less long sermons from Colin. There'll be stuff to do. And part of that is to help us form relationships, and part of that is to have some fun. I'd like to invite people to take interest in a kid. Maybe volunteer to look after a Sunday and take the kids. If you love photography, take them out. Get them taking some photos. If you're really into knitting, that might be too hard. Teach them crochet. Do something that builds relationship. Crochet's worse? Okay, clearly I know nothing about knitting. Um, <laughs> But listen, if you can think of no other options, I'm sure they'd like to learn to speak T-Rex. Um, <laughs> yeah, that wasn't in the screen. <laughs> take an instant again. Why not take parents of young kids out for, uh, make them a dinner? Or invite them over and let the kids run wild, because they will put some toys out. There's a question behind this, which I think lurks for Māori and I think lurks for kids and actually all cultures. The question is, well, who's in power and who do we want this community to be? 
How do we love and extend that love to others? It was lovely having Richie give out the chocolates today. Because we loved, we were loving him and gracious and it was lovely. That is at the heart of God. That's what we're called to as a community. And our challenge always is then we need to have policy and we need to have health. and We need that stuff, but at the heart of it is, are we, are we loving people and welcoming people? Are we listening? Do they have a voice? And that's what I see in this Mark passage, is I see Jesus coming up with the stuff about kids and saying, be like them after a politically charged conversation. And I think it applies to us. So I thought I'd uh, finish today's message um, by getting us to read that passage again. And then we're going to sing a song, and then there'll be tea and coffee, yep, and a chance to connect and ask. And if you are extroverted enough that you like connecting with others, take the opportunity. And if you're introverted and someone approaches you, you can say, can I pass this week, but maybe touch nose next week? Yep. So here we go. Could you read this with me? People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God comes to such as these. Actually, I'm not quite finished, and Linda's unprepared for this. Would you be happy just to tell us where we're at right now? Uh, so, and I think I wrote on it for want of other people being enthusiastic that I, or oh, something like that, that I um, am coordinating it at the moment. And um, Jean Corlett is out there at the moment. And we've had a few younger people who've been a little bit keen to do the odd thing. Um, and Diana um, Perry said that she would also take a couple of weeks. Um, my own. Uh, personal passion, I guess, is that we show any children that come in the door that we love them. And so I think there's a real um, need for some people to be willing to look for children who are in the building, on Sundays especially, I guess, but other times too, and that maybe you would go to creche with them. It's nice that their parents go to creche, but actually they do it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So... Um, and in fact, when you're in creche, it's the perfect opportunity to talk to these parents. So we've had a few people in and out of the building in the last year or two that haven't stayed, and I don't know why that is, but it would be nice to find out, and you might find out in the creche room. So, um, yeah, I'd love to have some more people. And we, as far as I know, we haven't got anybody who's, um, you know, that would just like to do that, like hang out with kids in the creche if they happen to turn up. And you have to be very flexible, because sometimes you have none, like 90% of the time. But then when you do have them, you have to let go of whatever your other agendas are for the week and go and hang out with them. So we haven't got anybody doing that. We've got a few people who are willing to do some Sundays in there and um, I quite like the idea of hang, them hanging out with us sometimes too, so we'll have some weeks where they're in with us and Colin's, you know, pretty busy, so um, he'll do what he can to adjust what he's doing, but I thought it would be good to have packs, to have... Um, 
if anybody wants to make some bags, because we don't want to use plastic, of course. Um, if anybody's willing to make uh, material bags, we'll have packs for the kids to take in, and they'll sit beside people. And again, they don't have to sit beside their parents to do whatever they're doing in their bag. So you could be somebody that's willing to sit with kids. Sometimes we're going to have tables at the back, and you might be willing to sit with them. Um, so, yeah, so there's a few ideas of things that we might do that are a bit different that don't mean you actually have to leave the building and go out there with them, but you might be somebody that thinks, gosh, I'm hungry in church, and I know everybody under 10 is hungry at church time. So, you know, you could be the person that brings a packet of biscuits in your bag and go and find somebody else who's hungry. And honestly, I don't think that God really minds if we eat we're in him with him. <laughs> so those are the kind of things that we're hoping for. And, um, and, yeah, the number of people that have volunteered this year has been, you know, new people has been not many. I wouldn't want to say none, but, yeah. So, uh, yeah, if that's you... God might be talking to you. So we're passing clipboard round. We're encouraging people to think about, could I do one? Could I do a bit? I'd like us to read this and I'd like to pray. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them and blessed them. Um, God we are grateful that you love even me, each one of us, that you love us and welcome us. We're grateful that the word that Lynn read out talked about old people and young people, the mix, that you work through all of us. We pray that you'd make us like this, welcoming to all, loving all. Some, because of history, are scared of being burnt, and communities do. But we ask that we would give us the courage to give just some of what we have, of who we are. That we may see those gifts grow a community full of your life. That every person will get to sit on Jesus, have more to be in Jesus' arms and know his blessing. Amen.